0: Welcome
1: to Red life, life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or, as a few of us say, that as rich guys would do epic shit. And now, your host, that's Hybin. If this is empty,
0: this doesn't matter. I'm glad you were home. I'm always home.
1: I'm uncool. Me too. You're doing great, dude. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. That's not my advice to you. And I know you think these guys are your friends.
0: If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful.
1: wrong tribe confounds the right tribe compounds get your free copy of the runaway bestseller tribe of millionaires a $20 value at tribe of millionaires.com free just pay the shipping that's tribe of millionaires.com all right go bros
0: i got a good friend i got a GoPod partner and Long time GoBundance member, or averagely long time GoBundance member, Mr. Jim Eshielas on the phone. Jim, welcome to the GoBundance podcast. Hey, Pat. Good to see you, bud. Jim, give us a five minute story, day you were born till today.
1: Yeah, I was born in uh, North Jersey, grew up there, very middle class, always entrepreneurial, always ADD, always in trouble in school for the most part, always class clown. Uh, went to college, didn't get a ton out of it. I could see how it helped some people, but I never really got anything out of it after my first corporate job, couldn't stand it, moved to California to try to do something on my own and started to read about real estate investing. Got into real estate investing, did my first flip. I remember it was a probate sale in Lompoc, California, a three-family home and just started to do a few more deals and fell backwards into Robert Kiyosaki's first real estate instructor. I got really into that group, started volunteering, getting invited back to staff, and that was kind of my opening to masterminding with people. Did a lot of real estate deals in Bakersfield, California from the mid to late 90s till about 2005. Came to South uh, Northeast Florida because I like the lifestyle and the growth of the baby boomers. I've always done single-family homes. That's been my Forte for a long time, Uh, did a lot of REOs. Now I'm into the build-to-rent model. I've been doing that for about five years. And as you know, about almost a decade ago with lots of things that happened in my life with family, I actually started doing family retreats for entrepreneurs and their kids, wrote a book, and now I do a lot of professional speaking, get hired by different entrepreneurial groups, um, different companies to go in and make sure that they're not only being successful in, in their career, but staying successful at home. So I have uh, my beautiful wife. I have four children, both two adopted, two biological. Uh, three dogs, two birds, a cat, a rabbit. We're supposed to get a giraffe next week. I love surfing. What? Uh, right? No, I'm kidding on the giraffe. So I'm. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I love surfing. Live near the beach. Uh, definitely an outdoorsman. Big fan of quality time with family and friends. And interesting thing as a lot of people know. Um, years ago, I got thrown into a cool situation where I got to donate a kidney to my father, which was a very cool experience and uh, definitely one that reshaped me as a person.
0: Holy dirt! Wow, that's that's awesome, dude. Um, lots to talk about here. So I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm gonna sidestep some of the one cheek questions for now because I want to ask about your life story a little bit. A couple of things, you know. Uh, i got I have five siblings, four siblings, five kids total, three biological, two were adopted my sister, my brother was adopted oh cool um, tell me about your adoption experience like what uh, what made you decide to adopt, and how old were your kids when you adopted them
1: yeah, so interesting story pat so when when I met my wife about a decade ago. Um, She was a single mom. She had been married young to right out of college to her her boyfriend from high school. Really bad situation, substance abuse, really ugly situation. She stood up for herself, got out of it and got full custody of her two sons, um, Alden and Leland. And a few years later, after the divorce, I met her uh, by a chance meeting and we hit it off right away. And the boys and I did as well. And, you know, they were, you know, they were seven and five. And at that age, they're, they're starving for a, for a male figure. I think we all were, if you remember way back to that age. You know, you just, the importance of a male role model is key. And But I didn't want to trumps on toes. They had some trust issues, rightfully so, from the things they had gone through. But honestly, we hit it off famously right away. Like, we're the most cohesive bl- blended family in the world and, and they called me Jim at first which I said you call me whatever you want I'll love you just the same and we had an actual coming to Jesus about two years into the relationship where Jamie got sick and you know there were some concerns about legalities and what could happen if anything ever happened to her and we had a big family discussion and the next day, the boys came back and said, would you adopt us? And I said, are you kidding me? Of course I will. So we went down the road of adoption. So they actually yeah, asked wait, me to wait, adopt them.
0: Wait, wait a minute. W- were you married?
1: Yeah, we, were, we had just gotten married.
0: You so, you know, and she, what happened? She got
1: cancer or something? No, she didn't have cancer, but she had some, she had some stress-related like autoimmune. And at first, it was identified as Epstein-Barr or MS, but, what we think it was now, and my wife's just starting to share her story, was the extreme stress of what she went through for for years. And they say that the metallics in the brain are just stress related. You know, so she had some aftermath effects, and her her health has gotten so much better, which is just there's no. There's nothing that compares to that. But, yeah, she had gone through that, so it wasn't cancer. We did have a cancer scare years later, you know, and those are not fun. Um, But she just had these – it was more of like a sign of MS. And it was – what we've seen from everything, stress can do weird things to you. And it's from what she went through. So we had to say to the boys – it was a big conversation. I don't even know if I've ever talked about this in an interview, Pat. We said, look, if anything ever happened to – mom at this point, there could be a chance that you'd have to go someplace else and to someplace else, to someone else. And they both, what I saw at that table that day is probably why I work in the family stuff so, so deeply. That was a big day for me where I looked and said, no child should have to go through that. No child should have that kind of fear. Um, And they asked me to adopt him the next day. So that's kind of how it unfolded. It was, it was a beautiful thing.
0: Did that, and, and the dad, biological pops, he had no problem signing off? He, he,
1: he was about to go to jail because he had never paid child support. And frankly, Pat, if, if we ever went to court, he would. there's some very good chances that he would serve some serious jail time because other offenses would come up. Mm. So he was dysfunctional, had many a chances of different things he had to do. We always the one thing. This is for maybe some go bros out there. I've never said a bad word about him to the boys. I drew a very clear line in the sand with him and made some some things very clear. Once I came on the scene and understood what had happened, and but I never said a bad word to the boys about him. And we always kept the door open. We were told by counselors, don't make him the forbidden fruit. You know, it's, you know, you say to a 15 year old, don't drink alcohol. You're not going to do alcohol. Oh, what's with this alcohol thing. Right. So we yeah, never, we said, anytime you want to talk to him, anytime you want to do. And really there was, there was very little to no interest. And then especially for, you know, things coming out of things that, you know, happen unbeknownst to my wife, they just, we let them make their own decision, which is really hard for me, you know, being kind of a. Uh, look, I have the Irish temper, so it was like it, it, forgiveness and choosing my fuck you path to be. We're going to live the best life possible and not go vindictive because I'd probably be behind glass right now if I had. Was a really hard decision, Pat. I still struggle with. I still write about it, but now seeing how happy my sons are, it's it's worth it. But we gave them the choice, and that's one thing I suggest. If anyone's in a bad divorce thing, like. I had gone into this thing thinking, okay, I, I had always had a rule never to date a girl with kids because I didn't want to deal with this. I did. I had it. I had it. But the funny thing, I had a list. I had a list. I had done a list, Pat, of, of everything I wanted in a girl. It was August 17th. I think it was 2002. And I actually went home. I went on a, a lunch date. And it was literally my famous word for going on a date was, eh, you know, like, ah, nice person. It's not there. And I wrote out this list. And nine years later I proposed to my wife on the beach and I handed her that list. And Jamie, who you've met before, it is her to a T. And I had always said out loud, hey, I don't want to date a girl with a kid, because what if there's some lunatic or bad person on the other side and then, you know, they're they're really ruffling up the family unity. Yeah. Um, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's and but but I didn't have it written on that sheet. I had always talked about it, but it wasn't written there. I remember a oh friend of mine yeah, and it was the best decision I ever proposal. made. Proposal. <laughs> oh yeah, right.
0: <laughs> you had to wipe that one out. You know?
1: Yeah, it was a little scratch at the
0: bottom. Man, you're ninety percent, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but it was, it was, it, it was. You know, I was your classic bachelor, and this is, you know, we're we're going just post meltdown. Um, you know what that was like. I mean, we came that close to bankruptcy. Here I am, all of a sudden, an instant family. I'm discovering things. You know, my wife was a solid, strong person, not a leaner. Like, she did not want help. She ran a Waldorf school. She was, you know, she was capable on her own, but we just fell for each other. And that that thing where these mixed families, like, I do not, I will never prescribe again to, it's what's best for the child. I will always go to that. What is best for the child? Fuck the adult. If the adult has stepped out of line, has done this, has broken the law, has done those things they lose certain rights and privilege. There's, And I've seen too many times in, in these situations, the poor kid is thrown back into it. And that's just, that's dangerous and unfair. The child's needs come first. And that's what I had to keep yeah. saying. I have to keep my egos out of this. I might have to be co-parenting with a total dickhead. But what I found was he just continued to hang himself. The drinking, you know, a few times just of trying to call and, you know, drunks can be. And I put an end to that very quickly. Um, but he had certain things just of just dysfunction. He couldn't be around the kids. So by the time it came to adoption, again, it wasn't my choice. I didn't say I'm going to adopt them. I said I would always protect them, but they came to me and said, we would like you to adopt us. So that was one of the biggest, you know, when you have That's that one list. of
0: the best days of your life, right? Oh my gosh.
1: Wow. Oh, I mean, it was just incredible because Now I have both, and that's something I like to look on, is I'm really lucky, and your family's lucky too. I wrote a piece after my daughter was born, and then I rewrote it after my son was born. So I have two biological, two adoptive. Uh, It was called The Second Place Myth of Adoption. And what I basically was writing about was just my feelings. And I now can stand on this subject as an expert, as far as I'm concerned, and say that there's this 800-pound elephant in the room that if you adopt a child, like, oh, it's not yours biologically, you can't love it the same, it's going to be different. It, you know, And people would even say, oh, yeah, it's great you adopted those boys. Wait till you have your own children. And I found that kind of be insulting, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, right, yeah. And, But what I found is my whole place of adoption, once you love a child and go all in, like I'm sure with your parents did, I don't even remember, unless I'm talking – you know, very deliberately with you at it. I don't even see the lines of adoptive and biological. There's no difference.
0: I I love that quote by uh, Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's. He said, I got 10 kids, five adopted, five natural. I forget which is which.
1: It's so true. I mean, I'm sure your parents would would say the same thing. It's just, it's true. You forget. And, you know, there's some sort of, I don't know if we're getting into a weird line of quantum physics or, or something there that's, too too smart for me but that's been my experience we're the we're the best should be, because they're
0: going to be insecure you know there's always going to be that insecurity should you have that insecurity when you have biological I can tell you my my youngest still to this day says stuff like oh you guys like Heather more than me or you guys give her more you know attention or more money or whatever you know what I mean and she's yeah. 23 years old you know, but, it, and half of it is joking, right? It's not like a, a fight or anything like that. Yeah, it's just like little joking. jabs. But just, it, they're both biological. So I think yeah. you're going to get that anywhere. So uh, so it's natural that it, they're going to be insecure about that. And for them to know, eventually they'll know consciously. Right now they know subconsciously. Yeah. Well,
1: now, now the boys, you know, the boys are 16 and 14. So it's... You know, it's been about almost a decade now, and they feel it. And, you know, all the stuff I do with 18 Summers, how I met you guys and Mike and the whole gang by reading my book, The Family Board Meeting, came from that struggle. We talk about the struggle can sometimes be the greatest gift. You know, my oldest son, he really, he was struggling when I met him at the age of seven. You know, he was close to failing school. He was put on the spectrum for autism which, you know, was wrong. It was stress-related. I knew it was, but uh, from the situations. And then he, um, he suffered from night terrors, you know. And in that first year, Pat, like, I t- it's funny, we're around the holidays now. So how this whole board meeting stuff, oh, Jim, it's family board meeting. Literally, I just wanted to get close to these boys. Whether I was going to be a dad or not, they needed help. You know, it was, it was like, I, not in a charity way. Like, you just you just feel this attraction to them to, like, support them. So I gave him quality time coupons, And I said, you're going to cash in on these quality time coupons every quarter. They didn't know what the hell a quarter was. You know, I said, every 90 days, you pick the day you're going to plan it. And I'm telling you, that first year, Pat, of just having a positive male role model and deep conversation and me being able to say some things like, hey, bud, I just want to tell you, I'm not going anywhere. And I know you've been through some hard stuff. You don't have to talk about it right now, but know that, you are, will always be safe from here forward. You, mom, your brother, I'm here, and you will always be safe. You, you got me? And just, it was like a, oh, it's like, you know, you're almost, you got like 345 on your back, you're about to squat, and you put it back on the rack. That's what it looked like, you know, for him. And within that first year, Pat, that, that failing, he got the most improved student of the third grade, they retracted the diagnosis of autism, which was no surprise for me. It was stress-related. And then the, the night terrors within one year were gone. You know, mm, I would have given wow. my whole my whole real estate portfolio for, for those results, Pat, but I didn't have to. And that's why you know, I continue to invest in real estate. But I'm really serious about the family part where it's like, man, as you and I have talked about in our private conversations, time is fleeting. And those connection opportunities are not to be missed. And you can't, if you really want to be successful, you can't delegate yourself out of family life. You have to have some level of involvement. It's not to be there all the time, but to be, to really know how to make the most and take hold of the time that you do spend with your family. And that's kind of my mission with the family side.
0: Yeah, that's, that's brilliant, dude. That's brilliant. It reminds me like I have a, I have a niece, uh, my wife's uh, sister's kid and her dad is in jail. And, um, just a, a loser and um and, and and unfortunately her kim's sister has had other relationships of men that have moved in the house and become figures right and then move and then they broke up right so there's been a few men in and out yeah including her biological dad and i got some advice probably five or six years ago from anil gupta you probably know Neil. Um, yeah he um he told me to sit her down and say to her. It was only important for me to say one thing, and other, other than this, I could just her and I could just bullshit all day long about anything for for life. But he said, um, "Tell her you will never leave her," uh, because she was kind of struggling a little bit. And I just sat her down. I, we take a we take a trip every year, you know. You came to St. Augustine last yeah, year, we came right? To yeah. Augustine last year, and our thing now is even five years later is what's our, what's my promise to you? And she says, you'll never leave me. And, the, and, and that's it. And that's what I say. at every trip we take, I say, what's, what's my promise? Just to make sure she remembers that promise. You know, Oh,
1: good on you. you know, that, that hits the nail right on the head. Same as me. It's it's that consistency. Child needs to see that, especially when they've been kind of that leaf in the wind and in, in those kind of situations of substance abuse and abuse and different, you know what I mean? Unknowns and just that it's, it's not an easy process all the time, but there's that steadfast you give them that promise and show it, all that shit can be shed. That's my belief anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds get your free copy of the runaway bestseller tribe of millionaires a twenty dollar value at tribe of free just pay the shipping that's tribe of all right
0: cool so uh tell me about the kidney dude need to find out about this too this is uh you know i know a kidney i i a friend of mine's son uh, had to have a kidney transplant and i know they went through a lot of tests trying to find somebody to donate the kidney and it ended up a brother-in-law, not even related uh, biologically, but uh, a brother-in-law ended up donating the kidney, but they had to go through like 50 people to get that match. So uh, it's about you being able to donate to your dad.
1: Yeah, so, so my pops, he's a classic Irish workhorse, right? First generation Irish and almost 50 years ago, Pat, he got strep throat and he powered through it. I don't know about you, but when I used to get strep throat, I'd like curl up in a fetal position and be moaning and not want to do anything. Well, the old man powered through it. He's a tough little leprechaun, but that's a bad thing because when you, this old strand of strep, it used to lodge in your kidneys, a bacteria. It's not the strep. It's the bacteria that's aftermath that you had to get out of your body. That's why you do the antibiotics. Well, he didn't years later, you know, 40 plus years later, he goes into near renal failure he's in the hospital here in st augustine for almost 40 days and they basically said to him look you got they gave him an estimate maybe two years to live on dialysis and dialysis sucks and they said or you could get a donor so you know i was sitting right there and i i talk about you have these moments where it's just like answer the call you don't you don't hesitate. Like you do not hesitate. There's no hesitation. I wouldn't call it courage. I wouldn't call it fear, but it's just like an intuitive, like I'm stepping into that. And of course I was in the room. I said, yeah, that's me. I'm going to, I got two kidneys. I'm going to donate. And the old man of course said like, absolutely not. You're not going to do this. That's not. And then he did not, he refused it for quite a long time. But then as we got through and, and him and I started to spend more time together, and I had an, an uncle who's a doctor who he really looks up to and they're close and he encouraged it and I was able to talk. My dad finally opened up to it. It really came down to a point sitting on a beach here having a conversation. We didn't do that as kids. I mean, we're Irish Catholic. It's like your arm could be falling off and everything's fine, right? So it was very <laughs> awkward for the two of us to be having it. But I finally said we talked about some things we really appreciated of each other. And I said, Pop, if you don't let me do this, you're not going to let me be the man that you raised me to be. And it kind of went quiet. It was like checkmate. I mean, he had to take the kidney at that point, you know. But it was it was a heavy time. I mean, I was going through the process of you know adopting the boys. You know, they just got this dad. Remember what we just talked about? Like, I'll always be here for you. Like my oldest, he understood the severity. The younger one was a little more clueless. But oh my gosh, they're opening me up, and pulling your your kidney out, and all this. And yeah, it was it was a it was a heavy time. Got to know my dad really well, got to write him a letter that I handed him right before the surgery, and it went great. I'll tell you something that's pretty cool, because I know GoBundance is a a weird uh, mindset group anyway, so I can say it in this group. So I wanted to be so fucking prepared for that surgery, like in all ways. I had to clean up some, some different things in my life you know, make sure that if I died, what happens to the properties and this and that and all these things. So a couple of things happened. First thing that was really cool. I believe in how you can talk to your own body. Like I've read about that, whether it's placebo or that. So I started to do a meditation every morning where I would actually talk to my left kidney. Now this sounds fucking crazy. I know people don't think it's crazy, but wait till the, the kicker. And I'd say, look, you're going back to a place you basically came from. And I named it because my dad grew up in New York. He was from the Bronx. So he had all these friends that were funny names. And he had a friend, Lefty Houlihan. So I named it Lefty Houlihan. I'm like, look, Lefty, you're going back to my dad, kind of where you came from. And I seriously talked about it because I had read these articles about people releasing trauma and stress and even cancer cells and that through that. Well, here's what happened, Pat. And I shit you not. So I did that. I told my wife about it, but no one else because they would think I'm pretty crazy. But I was pretty dedicated to that. We went into the surgery and the kidney, normally when you donate a kidney, like it goes into someone's body, you got to kind of jump start it. And the surgery is at least four hours, at least four hours, right? My kidney was taken out of my body, was latched into my father in 90 minutes, and it started producing, uh, pumping urine right away. Never had to be jump started, it's never stopped since. The doctors, this is at Mayo Clinic, it was one of the fastest donations they've ever seen and the fact that gets my dad off the table who is healthy but in his 70s even quicker it's better for his recovery so it's that's something where i know we talk about mindset and getting really focused and intentional i'll never forget that i did that meditation and it's like oh it's placebo well good thank you placebo because my dad got off the table three hours early and the kidney latched on they said and started producing urine right away so these are like things you don't talk about in many groups, but in Abundance, I will.
0: And how's he feel? Like how long has it been?
1: Um, it's been about eight years now. He's feeling good. He has no dialysis. He's smaller, you know, and he, he's 85 now. So he's smaller, but he's healthy. But he can't tell, right? He can't tell. Like his- oh no, he, he's, he, he, he has no dialysis. So he's healthy. I mean, his creatine levels are 0.07. We just got him a couple of weeks ago, which if you know that, that's incredible. So he's 85, he's still playing at the Irish pubs, his music, you know, he's an Irish musician, and he's happy, he can travel up to see his grandkids in wherever he wants to go see him. He's not chained to the dialysis, because if you know about dialysis, man, I feel for people on it. Like you go one day, the next day you're fucking exhausted, then you start to feel better, and then you got to go in the end of the next day. So it's, you know, and, and it starts to deteriorate the body. So he's doing great. You know, I I got to spend Thanksgiving with him and I'll be with him, you know, this weekend for a Christmas thing. So him and my mom, you know, it's like it was like a second coming. I, I realize how lucky I am to still have him with me. So it's, you know, we, we weren't always the closest, but a lot of, you know, rhetoric and stuff has been cleared out. and We just enjoy each other's company now.
0: That's awesome, dude. That's yeah. great. We're glad that everything's, you know, back to normal. It's cool to see that. All right. So let's shift gear. Let's talk about your health in addition to, you know, you know in addition to the kidney side. Like, what do you weigh, Jim?
1: I'm about 175,
0: 177 right now. Okay. And uh, how tall are you? 5'10". All right. What's your body fat?
1: You know, I saw that question on there. I haven't checked it in a while. I'm going to imagine it's like 16%. Maybe fifteen percent.
0: Okay. What do you tell me about your eating habits?
1: Yeah, well, as you know from our chats, I've been doing a lot of the intermittent fasting. I think it serves me. I'm looking more into eating fats, you know, and less of of the other stuff. Uh, I've done a few of the um, allergy testings, which I really encourage people to do because everything's not good for everyone. So I don't drink all excuse me, coffee anymore, but rarely. I drink matcha green tea. I do a lot of fats in it. You know, trying to go with with more, not paleo, but a little bit paleo, uh, but definitely in the intermittent fasting. I'm a huge believer in supplements, Pat. I do athletic greens or qualia every day, along with lots of other things that, again, from these testings have done. So I'm really big into uh, the supplements as well, I believe. You have to have a healthy diet with them, but I think the supplements, like my hero in fitness was Jack LaLanne, and he lived into his mid-90s, you know, and he didn't have any sort of the access you and I have now. Um, and he had bad genes in his family, but he always did supplements that have now improved even more, so I believe in them.
0: Wow. And then the, what's the daily greens, you just have that as a drink?
1: Athletic greens. Yeah, I do that in the morning with, like, a celery water. So my thing has always been lemon juice, apple cider vinegar, and then, like… That does uh, break I- your fast? Well, it, I don't think so. I do liquids, so, so no, but I'll wait on my like – I'll do like a matcha tea with, with butter, fat, collagen, protein, and like coconut oil, and I'll do that a little later. But no, I don't – I don't lemon water and celery water with, with the greens, I don't think breaks the fast, not, at least not for me. I don't eat – I don't consider that food. And you do that seven days or five days or what? Yeah, I I believe in the cheat day. I believe in cheat meals. I remember when people were like, look, you're you're eating 30 meals a week or us say or 20-something meals a week if you if you eat healthy for 21 of them and bad for four of them, you know, you do that. I don't I don't like to try to over cleanse because what I found is my body can't take it or you get so crazy by craving things and you fall so hard off the wagon you eat like shit for 2 weeks. So Yeah,
0: right. You got to live at some
1: point. Yeah, too, so yeah. I I I kind of look at like Thursday nights is my wife and mine's date night. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy whatever I want to eat there. And then Saturdays I usually kind of have as a free day.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. What about exercise?
1: Yeah, you know, I've been really into the surfing and paddleboarding, as you know, uh, doing a lot of kettlebell swings and like bodyweight exercises uh, for the last two years. And I think that's because I was super busy with business changes. I've just recommitted as you and I talked about the other day about getting back into things that were really good. And I like, I really like weightlifting and yoga you know along with surfing i'll never give that up but coupled with my surfing i feel best maybe it's my add when i when i lift weights like if i i just i don't and i was like why the, why the hell did i get away from this so i'm back into lifting weights and doing yoga
0: yeah yeah you got i think it could last longer and you know some sometimes well i'll speak for myself you know when we we pick an exercise that becomes quote unquote our exercise right yeah, you ask people, "What do you do to work out?" It's usually the same thing, right? There's not a lot of confusion there, no. you know. And so, and so, you know, obviously, you run too much, you bang up your knees. You know what I mean? You, there's certain things you do that that get riskier and riskier. And uh, and by lifting weights, I think it's you're using so many different limbs. And and same with yoga, so many different. You're using all these different body parts that uh, you you would think that you could last forever, like like a hundred. You could be doing yoga at 90. You know what I mean? You could be lifting weights at 90. You're not going to lift the same weights, but you could still do it. Yeah.
1: Oh, for Um, sure. There's so much happening with that. Like, we can't process really what the changes. The best thing I can say is I have some friends here. They're in their 60s, and they're not not just kind of surfing. Like, they're ripping. Like, they're really good surfers. uh, They're in their 60s. I'm not kidding you. And we talk about it. They're like, look, we've stayed active. Their parents, when they were 40, looked old. Like you look back like one generation from them, their parents, they said they were sedentary by the time they were 22. And then, you know, by the time they were 40, they were just old. So yeah, we've, it's a different lifestyle. Now, if you look at it, like guys like you and I in our 40s, just going to our 50s, if we really plug into some of the new stuff, it's like you erase all those those old, you know, Cliches of like, oh, you're over the hill. All your knees, this. Oh, you can't do that. Like, screw that. right, you want to be hiking in South America, or I want to be surfing, you know, big waves, you know, without saying, oh, I'm too old for this shit. Like, forget that. We got yeah. You're like,
0: if 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 you could do it today, you should be able to do it tomorrow. So all you gotta do is do it today. Yeah. Right, because it's compounding. Right. It's not like you're like one day when you're sixty three. You know, it's going to be like, oh, when I'm 64, I'm not going to be able to do this. Or the next day, I'm not going to be able to do it. You know, you just do it now. It, it may be a little harder. You may be the last person in the room to roll up the yoga mat. But you're still, you still going to be able to do it the next day.
1: You know? Yeah. So. I just read an article about that. Some guy in Aspen, I don't even know his name. I bet you McCarthy and them know him. He's 100 years old. He's some stud out of Aspen. You guys should look him up, actually, for, for the event. He just turned 100. He's still skiing, and he talks about he will not disrespect his body by not getting up and doing his swimming every morning, and I forget if he does a little weight training or something, But every, and that's what he said. He's like, I just continually said, I'm going to keep doing it every day, and I want to make sure any food that I'm eating, I'm able to burn off. That was his simple thing, and he's a happy guy that really enjoys the mountains, stays yeah. there and then keeps going, but 100 years old, in Aspen, he he just had his, his 100th, and wow, unbelievable. Yeah, if you could, if you could, uh, I gotta look video up video the article video. for you guys, yeah, it was cool as that. shit, I just, yeah, I just saw it yesterday, a friend of mine posted, I'm like, I gotta read about this guy, so.
0: Yeah, send it to me, we'll we'll definitely look into that for sure, that's a- He'd be our hero, right? I mean, right, He's yeah. defying health, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to win. If you put him in GoBundance, no one's fucking with him on that, that pillar. Victory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Let's talk about horizontal income. What's your horizontal
1: income? Horizontal income is low right now because I've done some reinvestments. So it's a little over eight grand right now because, as you know, my main focus was going into this rent to build. So it's about a little over eight grand. I mean, there's some other little things that I don't count, but that's where it is right now. And what are your
0: family bills, would you say?
1: Uh, family bills for us, again, we don't, we don't live very expensively, so it's 15 to 17 a month.
0: So you're about a 50 percenter, let's say. If it was 16 and you're making eight, yeah. 50%. So 50% of your family bills for a family of six are yeah. paid by horizontal income.
1: Yeah, but that and that's not good enough because uh, when doing the the thing though that you gave me based on the net worth that you said to build up from accounts receivables, this, all that, my equities, I'm only at about a two percent, which is really bad. So
0: two percent. This is this is horizontal income to net worth. Is that yeah, is?
1: but and I, that makes sense because I'm doing so much vertical right now, as you know, and. Over the next year with the payout that I've built from this this pipeline and from the RV resort that I'm selling, that's going to jump me with just, I'm going to pay off some high-end properties and a commercial thing that I have. That should jump me to just under 20 grand. So it's going to more than double my thing plus reserves on. So it, it it was a conscious thing to have my horizontal go down. And I really went hard into vertical. And now I'm supposed to have a really big vertical 12 to 14 months. And then it's going to dump back into horizontal, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, the more of these interviews I do, the more I find that like uh, average horizontal to net worth is four to five percent. And you got to look at it this way. like If your net worth is 10 million, five percent is 500 grand horizontally a year
1: that's great right
0: which is a lot of money but the number feels so small five percent you know we invest in these things and they say the cash on cash is 14 percent or the internal rate of return is 19 percent but you know the issue is yeah that might be on that one investment after year two or year three but your equity grows right, in that, and and your loan to value uh, decreases, so your horizontal to net worth ratio also decreases. You know, the people that I see that get like 12 and 14 percent on the horizontal to net worth state uh, figure usually are including a business, you know, that's paying them that they don't run that business. Somebody else is running that business. They're including that business. Oh, I made a hundred grand off that business. And it's, it's only worth 800, you know, right there's 13, 14% that they could add to that number. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, so yeah, it's, it's, that's where I'm at right now. Vertical is a big focus for me right now. Um, the RV resort, I was going to keep, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a minority partner in it but tell, i don't tell jump. me about
0: that because i know about that being in your go pod but the, the other gobros don't if you don't
1: mind sharing yeah you know i have i've been RVing with my family for years we love going out and seeing the national parks like remember where i said man go and see the bears and stuff like teton that, yeah that was a great record i loved it there unreal so we love that going up to nova scotia down to the keys so my building partner basically came to me who I do these rent-to-builds with and he said, hey, me and my pops got this piece of land right outside of Jacksonville. I think it's gonna be able to be zoned. I know you're into that. Do you have interest? And he said, I said, yeah. And he's like, well, we need 10 million. I was like, oh, the only problem is I don't have 10 million. Literally that same day, Pat, I got a call from my private lender that I've worked with for several years out of Vegas. And she said, look, you've always paid us On time, I borrow 80,000, 80,000, 80,000, all for our little houses. You know, I was a little house guy. She says, I want to loan you eight to 10 million on houses. I said, I can't do it. The market here in Jacksonville has changed. I can't do it. There's no way. She's like, Well, keep me posted if you, you know, do because I have this money that I have to move. You've always paid. I've always gotten a good kicker from you. Like, we have a great relationship. I I performed on lots of little $80,000 loans. And uh, I literally hung up and I was like, What the hell? And I just called her back. I said, Look, are you wanting to try something new because here's something that just got presented and i literally at the beach club that i've shown you i sat out there on because on, you don't get good coverage there on the on the deck that day calling my bu- building partner calling her back i got the worst sunburn you know because i had no. it was like march or something <laughs> and i didn't think i needed sunscreen and so literally in one afternoon 65 70 percent of the deal was put together where one side trusted me the other side trusted me so i needed to be in and i just said look my building partner, you know, said, I'll give you 30% of the deal. I turned around and said to my uh, my funder, I said, look, I'll bring you in as a partner. I've gotten 30% you bring in the money, we'll just split it. So I took 15, she took 15. I had to put in a little bit of money for a couple of other things. But so it all got put together that day. And now uh, we started to build it. It was over 800 sites. I drove around with my family and actually picked out some of the ideas that got translated into the plans, which was really cool to see. And then I can say it now, Sun, who's the largest REIT in America for RV resorts, came down and loved it and has bought us out of the project. They are in fine, next few weeks, all deposits go hard and they're loving it already. So we're not seeing any issue and they're gonna cash us out by the end of this coming year. Uh, and they said, we'd love to do another one with you. So it's like kind of a business that's been born.
0: Well, what uh, would you say the multiple uh, will be uh, once that settles?
1: I don't even know. So we're, we're into it. My you're take for, will be. You're into it for 10 mil, right? We're into it for 10 mil, 800 sites. They buy for 57 a site. What I know, Pat, is my take 1.5. That's what I'm going to walk away with.
0: Okay. so So, yeah, but you didn't put anything in it. But that was at oh you own fifteen percent so it would be the same thing as you putting in well no one point five would be fifteen uh, percent of ten mil so it's worth ten mil so you put in ten mil and you sold it for ten mil
1: no no, no we didn't sell it for ten mil we we remember we're paying back around we sold it for twenty something with us doing finishing out and doing a phase our investors will be paid back this spring and then we're gonna start looking for another one and then they're putting in the money to. Have uh, us do the developing in the first phase.
0: So essentially, let's say you doubled it because you paid back the
1: ten million debt. Oh yeah, we debt. more than doubled it. We more than doubled, you doubled it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just, yeah, so it's it's that's great a deal. deal. So yeah. that was one. That's one that again I was always 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 planning. That's why I downed houses and stuff because I was really tired of the old little houses that were just you know you'd have a good year and make make you know some money and then another year and you're you're almost feeding it. So I really downed my portfolio. So tell me, so let
0: me talk to you about that because you know Blackstone just sold off invitation homes. I know Tommy Christie was big in invitation homes. He's hoping to get a nice smacker uh, at, at at the end of this year or, or in the coming weeks.
1: He's good a good fundus member. Hey, I know Tommy. Go Tommy.
0: Yeah, and um, and so that just happened, and Blackstone came out, and they didn't address it directly, but I think in on some article somewhere. They finally did address the fact that the expenses on single family individual homes, the economies of scale weren't, you know, were larger than, were worse than they thought, you know, compared to like an apartment building. And maybe I'm paraphrasing. Maybe they didn't say this. What uh, you tell me? What, what, what well, from what I,
1: I, 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 I guarantee, I, and I haven't seen I haven't seen Blackstone's books, but I guarantee ninety plus percent of all their profits coming from equity growth, not from cash flow. Because I know with a lot of those guys, I don't know inside, but I know around here, they had a rule they would buy nineteen ninety newer and a couple other things, which which is good, but that still leaves room for some rehab. I mean, I saw some properties around those groups sit for a year because when you're doing the spreadsheets at Wall Street I think you know you don't realize you got to deal with disgruntled contractors and this and that to get something fixed and then the turnover and tenants don't always pay and there's you know it's so and we didn't know the extent of the rehab. So yeah I think that what I've seen is single family homes can work or small plexes. I just am a bigger, people go what would you do differently? I would buy half. The amount of properties at twice the quality. That's it. And because and you get in at so the right let's, time.
0: Let's, let's dumb this down. Let's dumb this down. Go ahead. What's okay.
1: Happening? So instead newer, of, right?
0: yeah, knew, n- new, newer, like
1: that's why I'm in new construction now. I work with clients where it's like, actually, I got a cool one to tell you. So we do mainly new construction. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this or not, but I got a call from a client it's the other day. Fine,
0: it's fine. Whatever you want to.
1: Yeah, I got a call from a client the other day. She's done some properties with us here, new construction. And she says, I just lost $320,000 cash in a scandal in Indianapolis with that guy, Clayton what the fuck? Morris.
0: Oh, she lost 320 to Clayton Morris? Yep. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> so let's talk about this because, okay, guys, so Clayton Morris, you know, flew to, this is funny because it's funny that you bring this up because Clayton Morris came on my podcast twice. And then the haters started bombarding my comments on YouTube. Uh, I think I texted you about it over and over again to the point where I had to take those episodes down permanently. Yeah. And then he's in, like, Portugal.
1: Now, did she lose
0: that? She had to
1: sell at a loss. Now, from what I was, from what she told me, okay. And first of all, I don't know Clayton from a hole in the wall, but Clayton's the guru, right? He's the educator, yeah. and he hires he hires guys like me, property providers that are supposed to be the expert. I don't know how yeah. much he knew or didn't know, but definitely, I've heard the guy who was in Indianapolis crooked as hell. I mean, it's it's like a, a shell game; like you're gonna get caught. How does this work? Yeah. From what she told me, is she had put up money to buy the houses and never even got them. She never, never even, never, she, she is out 320 grand cash, cash. That's and crazy, dude. Yeah. So my whole thing about saying this is I know, and there's been a lot of talk on the GoBundance. You're going to do the rent to build model. Look, you want to get people into these tougher neighborhoods as newbie investors. You are asking for it. Like it's just, it is, and, and, and even though they were able to buy in a little better areas, they saw some of the struggles about this. You want to take it as simple as possible. And that's why I like the new construction. There's a 210 warranty. There's You're able to build it to a better spec where, you know, du- the durability's there. Pick a little better areas if you're getting the land right. So it's been, I've enjoyed that a lot more, you know, than, than finding old rehabs in this area. So, you know, I would encourage people to try to find them a little higher end property with a lower cash flow. That's okay because it's going to come out better just like That's one smart thing, they did a bunch of smart things, but Blackstone did, they bought nicer areas, but they're starting to see, they're spinning their wheels on cash flow. all the money's in equity, they might as well cash in now. That's what's happening. And, you know, guys out there that wanna get into the turnkey model, I think it'd be a great one. Just take it long-term, like this lady bought properties from me years ago and has stayed in touch, now she's back and like, look, you took care of us, we wanna buy some more new construction with you. It's like, why even try to do that, that, that shyster piecemealing you're going to get caught and it's bad, bad karma, and you're going to kill your own business. So I don't know what happened with Clayton and them, but that's, it's, you know, it, it is a, it's a tricky game. It's very easy to sell a person and say, you're going to buy a house for 50 grand. And it's going to rent for 800. Holy shit. That's incredible you right. and i know 1% it's not
0: rule right
1: yeah one oh, yeah, percent it kills it you know? yeah so but you don't talk about the neighborhood and the insurance rate and the the turnover amounts and if you have a turn every year at each you know so all that stuff plays into effect
0: well, that's, what, that's one of the things that uh, people complain about with clayton Moore scandal is uh, he on the website when you go there and and the videos and stuff they show this uh, like a street that where all the houses were rehabbed right and it's like all tree line and like you know kids riding tricycles and stuff on the video and 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 then the actual thing that you bought now of course a lot of these people as in your case probably too you know didn't fly to indianapolis to to visit these streets and they just plop down money and say yeah buy me five houses there but the real streets that that are not in the video they didn't show you a video of your street the real streets had like houses with like dead bodies in the basement. Oh, yeah. You know I mean? like oh, yeah. All boarded up and some dude with a heroin needle in his arm. And they didn't, you know, they didn't, they're like, they didn't show me that street. They exactly. showed me this other street.
1: So, and that, well, that's, and, and you know what? And people should, it's kind of buyer beware, but also, I, again, I don't know Clayton, but if you're the real estate educator, you're the guru and you're bringing in these different markets that you're endorsing, his team needed to be out there. They needed to be watching this guy. So he is, whether he knew or not, he's still responsible. Because, and that's why some of these people are the bigger real estate educators. Like, and you know, I have a good friend who will be there in Aspen. Like, it's a big responsibility because you got to make sure the provider is going to be fair. Because a lot of these providers that I've seen come and go, they try to do some bad deals, you know, make that fast dime instead of the slow nickel. And, and then it implodes in like six months to a year. It's crazy. Fast dime versus – I like that, fast dime versus slow nickel. You know, uh, he
0: got like hit proportionately, unfortunately for him. His, and I don't know the exact number, so I'm kind of making this up. But let's just say it was 90-10. Like his portion was nowhere near the, the money that is gone, right, or profited from the Indianapolis, uh, you know, turnkey's was like 90-10. Like he was getting 10. The other dude was getting 90. So the oh, other, guy made like, other guy made like, I'm making this up again, but like 76 million. He got like 7 million. Now he still got a lot over the years, but the other dude got, you know, really rich yeah. from it. And maybe in his head, he was thinking, well, I'm kind of like an agent. You know what I mean? I'm only getting 10%, so I'm not going to dig into it. I'm going to have faith. It may have been almost better if it had been a 50-50 split because then he'd be like, I'm making so much money, I need to
1: – Give it focus.
0: You know, uh, if something happens, it, it could come back on me. So that's a great lesson, and it doesn't matter how much you're making. If you're the front face of it, you're liable, right? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, and, but again, there's guys out there, I guess, for GoBros that are looking – because that's been going on the thread a little bit. Man, if you get them good properties – with not over promising returns, you, you have a pipeline. I never work with retail buyers. I would have no patience for that. You know, I really want to focus on my family business, 18 summers speaking and doing all, all that education. And then I have a good system here with my building partner, you know, and, and our, our returns are not setting the world on fire, but they're solid. They're in good properties in good areas. And we all know areas poised for growth. People want growth areas. Northeast Florida is a growth area. Atlanta is a growth area. And that's where we stick to. So, you know, if you have those opportunities, there's guys out there that that are like Clayton that need good properties. And idiots like this guy in Indiana will continue to hang themselves. And there's opportunities if you want to step in and, and do it right, then do it. And don't try to make a killing off one deal. Again, this is the Walmart approach. You don't hear me going, I made 130 grand off this, this one, flight. Yeah, no, right. my margins are small. Like I told you, me and our my, basically my, my guru, whichever guru I'm working with, we about split profits and we're not killing it. We're, 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 we're making a simple profit, but we're doing a good volume. So everybody wins and people will get a good volume. They get a good property, it performs, they want another one. So that's, that's kind of my take on, on that. How, how many are you doing now? This year, this year, we're going we're gonna to put under contract. I think we'll get to about 112 this year. Um, wow. So that, out this is this year? the best
0: year? Is this
1: the most? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, we used to do, I was doing, um, you know, back in the day, eight to 10 a month for, with rehabs. And God, that, this is so much easier. Smaller spreads, but so much easier. And next year with land deals that we've set up, my goal is to get to about 240 which i told I've told you before in our go that's my big thing next year. I think we have the traction now it's becoming more popular you know with with one or two more straight laced real estate educators wanting to team up with me. we can do that and maybe one private fund group wanting to step in. I think we'll get to our two forty next year
0: yeah and and you you used to also right buy them yourself right you bought the Similar products to what Clayton was doing. Of course, it wasn't furnished and all that stuff. It was, you know, a rehab single-family house in a shitty neighborhood that that far exceeded the one percent rule with rents. But but in the last five years or so, you've been you've been dumping those too yourself, right?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. And here it is. I actually never did those. Well, we and that's why we we. I got, I'm not going to say who it was, but I got approached in, in 08, when I was sucking wind, the end of 08, a very popular person on TV, blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, I can get you six good properties a month for about 95,000. These were in solid areas of South Jacksonville, West Jacksonville, three twos, four twos, fully rehabbed. They'll rent for 1050. So we're beating the 1%, but these are real numbers, good condition. He's like, no, no, no. I want you to get me 25 to 30 houses under 40 grand. I'm like, I'm not going to those neighborhoods with new investors. I know what that's like there, there's no way. So we refuse to ever really do those. I own some of those from when I first came here, wow. which I didn't want to encourage. So I was actually doing more B minus neighborhoods. And so we couldn't, we, we, we were not as looked on as nicely at first. We were like, oh, well, why am I gonna buy a $100,000 house from you? I can buy two fifty dollars ones here. And I'm like, you're going to see why. And sure enough, just kind of like this same thing, the money, that, that projected cash flow gets eaten up by issues so often, it's not even funny. It's not even funny. And I think that, you know, that can even happen on a higher level like it did, I think, with Blackstone because they got into better areas, but they weren't rehabbing necessarily, right? They might not have had it managed the best way. And so they're like, screw this. Look at all this equity and the cash flows here. We're going to dump them.
0: Yeah, it could change overnight. It really could change overnight. Like I, I can remember one year I looked at my uh, I looked at my profit losses and I made fifteen thousand from, you, you know, let's say twelve single family homes. This was a few, a couple years ago, not too long ago, and I was like, well, yeah, that's pretty killer, you know, buck eighty, you know, from single family homes, yes. And uh, last year, or the year before last, on the same exact houses, I made like an average of eight which is almost like cut in half. And someone would yeah. like, say, well, what What happened? How did it get cut in half? Well, I don't know. It was just repairs. <laughs> you know, it just happened. Yeah. Right? One, one AC unit at a time.
1: There it is. Um, there it is. So that, that right, might, so
0: let,
1: yeah, it might used to be my goal, have 200 houses. Really now, Pat, I want about 15 to 18 free and cleared higher-end homes. That's it. That's it. That's all I want. Good
0: stuff. All right. Jim, well, you and I know each other too well. We just this I know, thing is babbled on by. for an hour, about, but it's <laughs> all good. It's all really good, really good stuff. Let's wrap this up with um, one of the questions from the Go Abundance app. You ready to be uh, stumped?
1: Sure.
0: Uh, I know the answer to this one. It's a, what's the smartest <laughs> business decision you've ever made? It would probably be that. Uh, probably be the RV park, right?
1: I would say so. That was a good one.
0: All right. Okay.
1: This is interesting.
0: Do you have a bug out? Bah, which is uh, in case you need to leave in a hurry with your family. Why or why not? And what is isn't? Oh, bug out bag. In, in, in case you need to leave. That's kind of odd too. Do you?
1: I don't. No. I mean, we've had to evacuate for hurricanes. So we just, it's kind of a... All right, how
0: about this one? Describe your first entrepreneurial experience.
1: Wow. I mean, right away I go to uh, having a paper route. I love saying that because, like, the kids go, a paper route? Seriously, how old are you, right? <laughs> so I would say having a paper route, you know, when you would have to get up, deliver in the newspapers, do all that, and then you'd have to go collecting on Sunday afternoons, right? And you had these little stubs, you know, and you knew the people who were, you know, a pain in the rear, and you knew the people that were starting to tip, and, you know, you were extra careful on on those people, and then you just were – Humble to the people that weren't, and yeah, I think that was that was the first first uh entrepreneurial experience you know being yeah, a I, I, would,
0: I would say that's mine too, you know aside from like an ice cream stand or a lemonade stand, which probably uh, if you added in the cost of what it really cost to make the ice cream and the lemonade it would uh, you, it would be, it'd be a losing business, but aside from like little one offs like that paper route that I learned a lot on my paper route. And it was really more of the organization. It was number one, how to get up at five in the morning on a school day, yeah. right? When everybody else was sleeping in. And number two, how to go around and collect the money, like you said, count it, turn in to the,
1: to to the, the, the newspaper to yeah. you,
0: that, and keep what was left over.
1: Yeah. So it was like you had inventory and then you, you had to, to pay for that and you kept the spread. You know, and and if you didn't get up, then people would be pissed if they weren't getting their paper in the morning. You had to be versatile, like because where you grew up in D.C. or me in Jersey, you know, some days you could rubber band it, other days you had to freaking bag it because it was bag snow it, yeah. or rain. Remember, and you would tuck it in, and you know, and so yeah, that was it was a good experience. Just that
0: thing on my back, it, would, it, would, it had half of it in the front and half of it in the back. Do you have that? And then it would, and then when you were done, one side of it, it would pull your head back. Yeah. Well, pull your body I just had a big, <laughs> I
1: had a big bag on the side. Yeah, it was just one oh, you strap it. across and you'd ride it on your bike and you'd be like off balance. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but, but it would always be feel much better coming home. But yeah, just that, that old Woody Allen, you know, what is it? Half the battle is showing up and, uh, you had to show up for that. Right. And I, I had that thing for four or five years, you know, and it always put money in the pocket and, and it was, uh, You know, you were kind of self managed too, which I think was a really good thing. My parents pushed me some, but you ultimately, you you know, it's
0: funny that you say that because I think that, like, it's almost like, you know, people are like, is entrepreneurship nature, nurture? And I think that autonomy, right? That, like, you think back and I'm like, shit, I was 12 years old and I got up every morning like an automaton, like a fucking robot. And did that. How many 12 year olds do that without getting pushed? You know?
1: Yeah. 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 And, and that's on Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. I don't do, I had to deliver, it was every day. There was never yeah. a day where there wasn't a newspaper.
0: And, 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 yeah. Me too. And, and I, I was never pushed. Like, I and never, then, like, like, never, no one ever told me I to do it. I had siblings. That were, I had two siblings that were older than me that didn't work. You know? And I, I did it anyway.
1: You know, yeah, I, mean? I had some push from my dad. I remember he was always supportive on on having your own business. So he pushed some, but a lot of times I got up and I, I'll tell you. Do you remember when you went away with your family and you would have to convince one of your buddies to take over the paper route for a week? That was something too for subletting. <laughs> I remember I had a friend who did well, and then was screwed the whole thing up for the week I was gone. But
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I think about. It. I think my guy had a uh, substitute or something, but yeah, that didn't happen that often. That was back in the day where we didn't travel like we do now. Right. I think we took one. Nah. Vacation Man, a year that'd, be, anyway.
1: that'd be maybe <laughs> twice a year, like a weekend <laughs> or then like a summer vacation, like driving somewhere. So
0: yeah. <laughs> and you know, like eight months in advance, right? <laughs>
1: awesome,
0: Dude. Well, Jim, this has been a blast. Thank you for uh, coming on and being so candid and sharing uh, your insights with everybody, buddy. So I look forward to uh, getting together with you. I know our GoPods going to get together maybe in April for a, uh, for a GoPod get together in St. Augustine. It's yeah, time. it's
1: gonna be great. Can't wait. Can't wait. Cool, bud. Alright, keep doing it. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeed. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success.
0: Step to me, bitch Now you can tell